Let us pray. All-powerful God, in Jesus Christ, you turned death into life and defeat into victory. Increase our faith and trust in him, that we may triumph over all evil. In the strength of the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Mortal, can these bones live? Only the Lord God knows. People, hope in the Lord. With the Lord, there is steadfast love and great power to redeem. For God so loved the world that God gave the only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sin. Holy and merciful God, we do not know how to pray as we ought, and we know too well our recurring failures to do as you have commanded and to hold fast to your word. Forgive us for the divisions we nurture. Guide us to your way. Keep us in your care and lead us into faith. We trust your word that the spirit of truth will show us all things and grant us courage and peace as we continue in silent prayer. God did not send the Son to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. The peace of Christ be with you and flow through you. So be it. Amen. During the time um, while the Israelites were like in Babylonian captivity, Babylon had completely just destroyed Israel, taken a lot of them as exiles, so they're just living basically as like slaves in Babylon without their like culture or their country or their religious practices, um, and they're pretty much in the suckiest spot they can imagine. And that's where Ezekiel's written, um, so it's kind of written in a pretty like not fun spot, but the weird thing about Ezekiel is it keeps coming back to hope. Um, and that's what I find really cool about this passage. So, um, yes, we're going to read the Dry Bones passage, um, and we're going to talk about the hope in it and how it talks about a nation being reborn. And I think that right now, while we not, might not be in Babylonian exile, we can see perhaps our nation doesn't seem like it's doing too well or that we're holding together very well, and we probably use some hope. So, I'm going to read the passage. It's kind of long, um, but Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. 
And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover your skin. And I will put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there is no breath in them. And then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. And then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Okay, so that was kind of a really long, funky passage, um, but a short breakdown. Um, you know, there's God and Ezekiel, and they're chilling as you do. And it just starts out completely hopeless. They're walking around and it's just bones. Like not just walking on a battlefield with dead bodies. It's just like there were dead bodies and no one cared. No one was around to bury them, which like for the Israelites was a very big deal additionally. Um, but they just withered up and basically like brought it away here. Um, and it's pretty much just like the saddest, most hopeless scene you can imagine. And Ezekiel's like, okay, this is kind of where we feel now. Like, yeah, this, this is pretty much on point. Um, but it ends with this renewal. It takes this hopeless, desolate situation and ends with this living, breathing army standing there before God and Ezekiel. Yeah. Um, and so amongst all the bones and the sinews growing, that's what's happening is you're taking this wasteland and creating a living army. Um, and it happens through building. It happens one step at a time. The dry bones are brought back to life from the inside out. He mentions there's sinews and there's tissues and then there's skin and then there's breath. And I love that because God, while he can, and he's kind of proving that he could, he doesn't just sit there and snap his fingers and make it all better. Well, immediately. Um, there's building, there's a process, and he makes kind of
kind of he makes Ezekiel pay attention to the process. He shows him, hey, it's not just going to be a snap. And when it comes time for Israel to like return to Jerusalem and basically rebuild their kingdom, it's not going to be a snap then either. And he's preparing them for the fact that it's going to be a process. But it also shows the fact that God is like completely powerful over this entire situation. And he's powerful over life and death. Because when Ezekiel is walking in this wasteland, when you look around and everything pretty much just sucks and it seems like it's never going to get better, you're like, okay, well, um, but God shows up and he's like, but I still got this. Like, this seems completely out of anything's control and I've still got this. And one of my favorite points from this is while God shows that he has total control over this, he also has Ezekiel take part in it. So once again, he doesn't snap his finger. He says, okay, Ezekiel, so these really cool things are going to happen, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm going to make these miracles happen. But, like, you got to step up. Um, and he makes Ezekiel participate. He makes Ezekiel take part in it, and Ezekiel has to have faith that God is going to do it, and he does it by proclaiming the word of God. But Ezekiel doesn't get to like just chill on a rock and watch God do all the work. Uh, which I really, really love about this passage because it's kind of very realistic. That like you do have faith that God can do all these incredible things, but you also have to know you don't get just sit on a rock and wait for God to show up and just snap his fingers and make it all better. Um, and so when I look at this, it's talking about nations. It's talking about, you know, I think like sitting here now staring down kind of these giant, say, institutions, or you stare down, you know, the church as a whole, or you stare down the government, and you eventually feel like, hey, this is so bad. Israel's looking at Babylon, which is just like the biggest, baddest enemy out there. Um, they're staring them down, and they still have to find a way to have hope. Um, Hope in the hopelessness is like one of my favorite phrases from this passage because that's what it requires. You look at the government, I look at the government, and I'm like, wow, no, this is like really bad. I'm like, all these levels. Um, I don't know if I like feel like this is fixable, guys. Um, and God's sitting there and he's like, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know this looks really bad, but you have to have hope. Nothing's gonna happen if you just sit there and you're like, well, yep, this, this sucks. Um, huh, guess we can't fix that. Y you have to... Fixing is possible even if it looks like it's impossible. Um, but it requires taking those steps. It requires easy heal to do something with this faith he has that God's going to do something. And like a final note on that bit that I really like about this passage, um, and one of the commentaries I read made a point of it is that Ezekiel doesn't go about making scapegoats here. Um, because at this point, while Israel is like getting destroyed in exile, Babylon sets up like a puppet king and things like that. And Ezekiel doesn't go into this passage going, there were dry bones and it was all the king's fault. He really, really sucked and we need to blame him. Because like, yes, the king kind of did really, really suck. And you could blame him. And that is like really valid, but the fixing wasn't going to happen by just putting the blame on that king. Because frankly, you get rid of that king and you can get another one. <laughs> um, and you can't, you know, he knows that he can't just give Israel really this 
fixated point of hope and action just by pushing the blame off on some scapegoats. Um, so in all of this, what do we learn from it practically? Um, one of the biggest things I saw in this was a lot of times, if you're like me, you want to walk away. Like I'm big on if I think something is just like totally hopeless, like some things deserve to be fixed, some things need to be rebuilt, but if I, it can be anything. If I think my essay sucks, I'm not going to go fix it, I'm going to delete it, and I'm going to write a whole new essay. And I did that with my college admissions essays. Like, I really don't play around. Like, two days before, they were due. Um, but, like, if I don't think it's going to work, I just want to walk away. And that happens with essays. And I've had that happen with me and the church, where I was like, this isn't fixable. And I don't want to keep trying to fix these little bits. I just want to walk away. I just want to, like, delete my whole Christianity thing here and, like, just... I don't, I don't want to deal with it. It doesn't seem fixable. It seems too much. Um, and sometimes, you know, there are institutions out there that deserve to be scrapped, but you don't always get to walk away from the fight. Sometimes it's impossible for you to walk away from the fight, and sometimes you shouldn't walk away from the fight, even if it does seem impossible. And that can be the government, that can be the church, that can be whatever your giant Babylon thing is that you're staring at. Um, it can seem totally and completely useless. You know, Ezekiel could sit there and he could just be like, so, bones, um, here you used to be like alive or something, and you know, if we could do that again, that'd be really great. Um, and you might feel like you're a complete idiot, and that's totally useless, and you're just sitting there like chipping away at nothing, and it's never going to work. But the point of this passage is it can work. And it's not going to work unless people do start chipping away at things. Um, because hope, the fixing part, comes in doing that big impossible thing step by step. You start by putting the skeleton back together, and then you add the sinews, and then you add some tissue and some skin, and then you do the whole like life breath thing. But it doesn't just happen. You have to take those steps, and that's how it happens. And while you do that, it does, it's, it's kind of a companionship between having faith that God has control over this situation and realizing you still have to be taking those steps. You still have to be moving forward and not sitting on your proverbial rock over there. Um, because we're not helpless observers. Well, I know, I know we feel helpless a lot, especially when you're staring down your Babylon, um, you're not, you're, you're still not helpless, and you're not just an observer, you get to be a participant, um, because God can and God will do very great things, and we can have faith in him, and we can hope that he is going to do those great things, and that can keep us going, but a lot of the heavy lifting still has to come from us, and that's still our job. And right now, that translates directly into action. Um, the rebuilding, the fighting to rebuild, the fighting to fix, that's what we have to do to bring our dry bones back to life. Ta da. Amen. <laughs> our parent in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Jesus calls us to the well, inviting us to drink of the living water and the life eternal. Jesus calls us out of the shadows, out of the graves, to be entirely known and entirely filled with God's presence. Jesus calls us all, all who were made in God's own image, all who breathe the breath of God's spirit, the spirit of life. Jesus calls us to the table, to the meal that nourishes our bodies and binds our dry bones into one body, living in Christ. Jesus calls us here and now, come to this table, you who are beloved in Christ. Come not because you must, but because you may. Beloved, the Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Friends, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. And surely he will come again. Beloved, these are the gifts of God for each and every one of us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. 